You're listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? You are listening to another episode of the Last Word Soccer Club Radio podcast. We are brought to you by Icarus FC, Roughneck Scars, Athletic Greens, and of course, LastWordOnSports.com. Thank you all for listening, tuning into our podcast each and every week. We are happy to be back again after the first week of MLS action. Yes, MLS is back. It was chaotic and it was crazy. And I mean, how else would we want it to be? This is our beautiful, stupid, dumb league, and we're just enjoying the moment. But yes, it's me again hosting for another consecutive week. I'm Rachel Kruger, but I am not alone. I am joined for the second time in a row by, I think we need like a group nickname now for the three of us because this is starting to become a thing. Um, Felipe uh, is kind of <laughs> joining us super last minute. So thank you for, for making time for us, but welcome back. How are you doing? all the way out in lovely Vancouver. Uh pretty good. Happy now that uh the snow has stopped falling because it felt like uh the middle of an Ontario winter over here in the last few days. So glad to see the sun once more. We I just saw something on like Facebook or something the other day that Pittsburgh has gotten 0.2 inches of snow. Yeah, 0.2 in February. And that was the lowest like ever. And I and today was 70 degrees. So I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm back in Florida again. Um, but Jamie, is it as cold uh in England? What's the weather like for you across the pond, my friend? It's it's pretty depressing. It's a bit dark, a bit dreary, but it's not it's not cold. It's 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 acceptable. It's it's just about enough for us to be able to live in but I'm not, I'm not too happy about it either. Jamie with, uh, with, with the complete change in momentum and mood there, <laughs> but keeping it always honest as always. Um, glad to have you both with, with us again. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're just going to jump right into it because we have so much to talk about from the first week of MLS action. Um, before we hit the record button, we were talking about what games we were going to talk about, um, and we honestly had a really hard time keeping it to seven. So um, quickly, first, I'm going to run off the scores from the first weekend of, of MLS action. We kicked off the season with Nashville FC. SC, not FC, Nashville SC beating New York City FC 2-0. Atlanta beat San Jose 2-1. Charlotte lost at home to New England 1-0. Jamie was happy to see that, of course. Um, Cincinnati, Felipe's boys won 2-1 over Houston. Um, the best result of the weekend, boys, and this is coming from a Seattle fan, was that 3-2 to two dub for DC United over Toronto, but I think our friend Raheem Bashir would respectfully disagree with me. Um, Miami, Inter-Miami topped Montreal 2-0. Two to, two nothing. Um, Orlando beat New York Red Bulls 1-0 at home. Philadelphia came back after going down 1-0 early, um, and they put up four uh, unanswered goals to win four to one um, at Subaru Park right there in the outskirts of Philly. On the road in their first MLS match ever, 
we got straight up chaos, which I'm pretty sure Felipe said either it's going to be a steamroll or it's going to be crazy chaotic South African football. Um, and St. Louis won on the road against uh, Austin FC. Yes, they beat Austin at Q2 Stadium. Um three to two Minnesota they got it done without Emmanuel Reynoso and they beat FC Dallas on the road at Toyota Stadium Vancouver I'm sorry to say Felipe lost at home to Real Salt Lake um, and then on Sunday Seattle beat Colorado in a four nothing thrashing um, and then on Monday night football, as we are going to be calling it, um, the Portland Timbers defeated Sporting Kansas City 1-0. And of course, if you are living under a rock, you may not have heard, but most people have heard that El Clasico was indeed called off because of, believe it or not, snow out in California. Snow and rain and just the um, inability for the Rose Bowl to kind of contain that um i saw something online about there was uh definitely not enough you know shelter for people if there was a severe um weather emergency so they decided to go ahead and postpone the game so the first segment is going to look a little bit like this we all picked a, we all picked two games that we're going to talk about um one of those games from each of us is going to be the teams we cover but first and foremost we all agreed we have to talk about St. Louis together as a group because they came in in their opening MLS match and just completely shocked everyone not only by beating um Austin FC, but they went up first against Austin FC, and then they found themselves down. Then they equalized, and then they won. It was crazy. So um, the the uh, turn of events was Tim Parker scored scored the first goal in St. Louis um, FC. Or Saint, is it FC or SC? I can't remember, guys. F S. It is SC. Thank you. They both, I wish we had video. They both just did the hand motion. That was awesome. Um, Tim Parker scored the first goal in St. Louis SC history. Um, and then Sebastian Drew, see who else equalized right before the teams went into the locker rooms at halftime. Um, John Gallagher, I believe that's John Gallagher, not Jacob Gallagher. Yes. John Gallagher scored in the 72nd minute to give Austin their first lead of the game. And then uh, Jared Stroud, who used to play for Austin FC, um, he scored the equalizing goal for St. Louis. And then who else? Jao Klaus, um, very chaotic soccer player, and we all loved it, with a very um, get-in-my-face-and-I'll-show-you-what-happens attitude. He scored the game-winning goal, and I'm pretty sure he went off the pitch after uh, the goal was scored, kind of you know, holding his hamstring a little bit. But either way, he got the job done. St. Louis got the job done and they won. Um, Felipe, I'm going to throw it to you first because you had that great, um, you know, statement about it's going to either be crazy chaotic or it's going to just be an all out, you know, crapshoot for <laughs> for St. Louis, for lack of better terms. So what did you see? What did you like? And just. I don't know. What did you expect? Yeah, no, uh, I'll be honest against Austin FC. I was, I was expecting more of a, of a humbling for St. Louis, uh, but they came in and they surprised me. I thought that the system they had was really good. They were really organized. Uh, I didn't think that they were going to try to do, you know, the impossible of trying to play this really entertaining, uh, attacking high, <clears throat> high stakes football. 
because because um, it's always dangerous to do that. Uh, and said they actually played some pretty good soccer. I think um, that some of the, the people that they brought in from the Bundesliga did the job, like like Klaus and like Edward Loven. Um, and yeah, I was impressed. I think, you know, it goes to say for a team, especially in your first match, you're away from home to lead, then lose the lead and then start losing to be able to come back to equalize and to win the game. That kind of mentality uh, shows what St. Louis are all about, shows that they're united under uh, Bradley Cardinal, that they're buying into um, his philosophy into his game plan. They're not trying to be the most entertaining team in the league. And I think that's actually better for them. So overall, I think that they were um, super cool. They will still be entertaining as this game sh- showed that, you know, three, two match with um, a winner in the 86th minute. It's always going to be a fun match to see, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how they go moving forward after this um, great start to their career. Jamie, what did you think about St. Louis's big entrance into Major League Soccer? Yeah, I just have to echo the sentiments of Felipe there. And um, obviously, it's almost a case of in your first ever game in the league, you have the opportunity to to go for it, really. It's a free hit. No, one's, no one knows what to expect of you. So if they did lose by a few to Austin, it wouldn't have been the biggest shock in the world. So they could just go for it. They certainly did go for it. And as yeah, as Felipe mentioned, they had the guard come back from behind and 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 win it out, obviously in controversial circumstances with that um that equalizer, as as Rachel mentioned, Stroud, a former Austin player, maybe some gamesmanship in which uh fed into Kip Keller's pull back pass, which has had a lot of talk on social media from both sides of it all. But um yeah, it's uh definitely a thoroughly entertaining game what we've come to expect of the league and of Austin in their brief history in the league and it seems as if St. Louis will follow St. Louis will follow suit. Um Juicy was the headline going into the game. Obviously he always will be for for this Austin team. He's such a talismanic figure and he, he got his goal for a decent finish. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising if he's he's in the in the battle for MVP once again this season. But um yeah the all the credits deservedly are gonna go to St. Louis because they pulled out somewhat of a shock with a lot of a lot of good players performing well on the day. And yeah, who would have thought Tim Parker would score the first goal in in their in their club's history? Not many, I'm sure. Tim Parker, one of the long lost forgotten souls of the US men's national team. Um, a day for center backs as Nashville SC won their opening game. Um, they defeated New York City FC, who, you know, we talked about last week in their preview show. I'm pretty sure I was the one who talked about them. They just, they lost a lot more than what they had coming in. Um, and I think that kind of caught up to them. I honest, honestly, guys, like, I think it could have been much worse. Um, I think Nashville, if they would have started Haney McIntyre, it would have been a lot worse for uh, New York City FC. But, you know, Walker Zimmerman, who else? gets the first goal of the season for Nashville SC um, in kind of like a very bonker, the ball bobbled everywhere type of way. Um, And then, you know, Walker just gets on it and he's able to tap it home. And, you know, he celebrates in such like 
an amazing style. They obviously have the new Johnny Cash kits. So he came over and I think he started singing Ring of Fire into the um into the 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 corner flag, which was really, really cool. Um so a, a great opening uh day for uh Nashville C and Walker Zimmerman, but it was made even better by the fact that Haney Mukatar came in. Um, and then I think, I think I saw it was like six or eight minutes later. Um, he assisted, uh, Jacob Schaffelberg's goal. And if you watch the replay of this goal, it is just, um, if, if your defenders around the league or in college or in high school or whatever you may be, I really don't want to pick on New York city FC, but I'm going to, that video is going to show you how not to defend one one Um, it's just literally like seven or eight New York City FC players just all collapsing in on Mukatar and that leaves Schaffelberg wide open. It was about as unselfish of a play as as you can get. Um, and it was just a, a total team effort because of course I'm sure Haney wants that goal. I'm sure he wants to, you know, go for golden boot and maybe go back to back on the on the MVP um race. But I mean, it's it's unselfish play that's going to get you an MLS Cup. And of course, it's way too early to talk about that. But if you listened to the podcast last week, you know I rate um, Nashville very high. But for New York City FC, it's a process. Um, we understand that they're adjusting to a new goalkeeper for like the first time in forever. Um, they have a new coach. There were some bright moments. I specifically liked uh, Justin Hawk and uh, Gabriel Pereira and I saw um, shout out to that thought mob app on your phones because it gives you nice little tidbits along with the player ratings um, and Gabriel Pereira actually created the most chances in the entire match um, with three chances so he he made he certainly made an impact for New York City FC so they're getting there it's not quite there yet but they're getting there um, and you know, having Nashville SC in your first matchup of the season is certainly not a kind matchup, but they kind of dealt with it as best as they could. Um, and, you know, like I said, it could have been a lot worse than than what it was, but uh, a good win for Nashville um, in their opener. Um, and we are now going to move to an, uh, another Eastern Conference bout with uh, New England Revolution beating Charlotte. Um with a with a record attendance along with uh with Atlanta, they were both um Charlie and Atlanta both had uh sixty five thousand plus fans. It was the first time in MLS history that that many fans were at two consecutive games. Um, so hopefully we we break that record along the season with with three teams and four teams and whatnot. But um, but Jamie, tell us about New England in their first game. What did you like? What did you not like? And and what worked against Charlotte? Well, yeah, it's a case of continuing the trends of. American defenders scoring at the right end with Henry Kessler scoring the only goal of the game when it looked as if it was destined for a no-no draw. And it was a, a a new look New England team in the fact that last season there were fair few changes to the roster and their their defensive capabilities were hugely lacking. Um Henry Kessler being partnered by former Galaxy man Dave Robney being one of the the key changes and that duo at the back looked very strong. And um yeah, and then it was a it was a strong defensive performance with a decent amount of chances created, not blowing Charlotte away. Because Charlotte aren't a bad side though, so to to get off get off and running with a tight one 0 win is always good. And as as Rachel mentioned, nearly seventy thousand fans, most them rooting against you, can't be easy. Um, I don't know if either of you two uh, have seen about this, but every time New England keep a clean sheet, the keeper Georgia Petrovic has to buy donuts for the whole. 
for the whole squad. And that's getting that's getting too much from now because every time he's in goal, he makes six or seven saves every game. And whilst this wasn't an amazing performance from him, another clean sheet, I think it's eight and 22 games now. So hopefully he's got a membership card or something because the, the fees are stacking up there. But um, yeah, he was definitely the, the pick of the bunch of the Revs players going into the game. And not many would have expected Kessler to be the man to make the difference. And another a key figure was definitely um young uh, Colombian Dylan Brera on the wing. He's uh had some injuries uh, last season and was slow to be brought into the picture by Bruce Arena. And it was a uh, it was quite a hit and miss. He was he performed here and there, but there wasn't really any consistency. But this was definitely the a sign of things to come. He was causing um Nathan Byrne down that flank a lot of a lot of problems. And uh, Jack Moveroni wasn't his best game, but if the, those two can link up in the near future, then they'll definitely be a dangerous duo for the Revs, particularly when you bring someone as, as skilled as Carlos Hill into the mix. So I think all in all, it was, wasn't the best performance from Charlotte. Obviously, uh, as I think we mentioned last week, a very emotional occasion given the, the passing of Anton Walks in the off-season. It was, uh, they honoured him well before kick-off, which was, yeah, a very emotional moment for the club and for the league. Um, but yeah, um, the team in general, uh, from Charlotte's point of view, underwhelmed maybe given how they've in the past gone above and beyond um likes of Camille Josviak and the new striker Capetti were were in weren't really in the game much. Capetti more so was was here and there trying to be dangerous but just didn't really fall to him. So um yeah I think Charlotte have have a lot more to prove going forward whereas for New England it's it's a clean sheet which despite Petrovic's brilliance has been rare given that They've had to ship goals and goals and goals. So, yeah, I think strong start to the season for the Revs and very good very good to get Henry Kessler on the score sheet as well. Um, I saw Bobby Wood got about 26 minutes plus stoppage time. What did you, you know, see from him? Um, obviously curious about him because he, you know, was a former U.S. men's na- national team international. And then when he was at his last club, which I'm blanking on, he, where? RSL. Oh God, I thought you said Orlando. I was like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> RSL, yeah, he was playing really good for RSL, and then he had that injury, um, and then he he didn't quite recover after that. Just you know, what have you seen from him? Whether whether it be you know in their scrimmages or whether it be in the game, I think that transfer in general. I've been I was more hot on it than a lot of uh, those and then around the Revs organization. There was some doubt cast over his scoring record and fitness record as well but I think from what I've seen previously he definitely looks on his day when he's fit to be a very capable player and yeah as you said um came in for Vrioni who was struggling um I thought Bobby Wood was definitely one of the the more impactful players for for better or for worse it wasn't it wasn't consistent but there was definitely sparks of what he can do and he had the energy and the the drive to get involved um Damien Vieira, Vieira also came off at that point with Justin Rennick's placing them, and I think those two subs in particular played quite a big role in the the uptake in form, particularly in the attacking third from the Revs. And uh, whilst not directly involved in the goal, I thought um, Wood was definitely a, a good a good piece to come on, and he's he's definitely in the mix for the starting spot. He's no way no way ruled out of it with uh, Bo's green card issues, although he's now back in the US and uh, Josie Outdoor's injury issues. I think. Wood can easily challenge Rioni, despite being a deep DP for that uh, starting spot. So yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised and expectant of what we can see to come 
from Poppy Wood. Good stuff, Jamie. Appreciate the scouting report. Um, I wasn't allowed to talk about three games, so I'm going to let Felipe take this one. Um, DC United just came out and chaotically stunned uh, Toronto FC. Felipe, what happened? Uh, I don't, honestly, I don't know. I mean, it all, like you said, the game was just chaotic all around. I mean, uh, we love Sean John, but that first goal from a uh, new boy for DC, Mateus Klitsch, I was, I don't know if, if Sean John thought that the defender was going to block it or defender screened it or, or whatever, but that goal should not have gone in. And then Toronto actually did well for majority of the rest of the half. They were just missing their finishing touches. I mean, it's really unfortunate to have a player like Lorenzo Insigne come off after 34 minutes. And then you throw on Ayo Akinola, who really hasn't been that great, you know, ever since his ACL injury. Uh, we haven't really seen him play well since MLS's back tournament way back when. Uh, so it was it, it was hard to see Toronto try to pick themselves up after that, but they did pretty well. They got uh, a penalty um, in which the uh, the defender for DC United, Akin Boney, I think his name is, 16 years old playing at the MLS is crazy. And it, I think he showed a bit of his greenness trying to rustle Richie Larea, who loves to throw himself onto the ground. Um, um, but so then Toronto equalized through a penalty uh, and then actually led in the 83rd minute um, thanks to a free kick that went off the bar and Mark Anthony Kay injured himself basically trying to do like a scissor kick to get to score and it looked like Toronto managed to snatch a win but then DC United threw on some of their some of their kids and boy did that actually pay off because in the 90th minute Benteke scored I would say it's an embarrassing goal not for Benteke but for the defender that was around him for Rosted because Benteke just threw him around like a ragdoll right before he had he just carved out that space by bullying him to head it into the net. And then the 98, 98th minute winner, everyone loves a last gasp winner from the, the young kid, Coup de Pietro, who assisted the Benteke goal and then went to score, became the hero. Um, it was a great it was a great match for the neutral. I think DC would be more than happy with that. But uh, for Toronto, it's it was barely disappointing after playing relatively well. And you know, Rachel, you mentioned football. That's one of my favorite apps because they have all of those stats, and I'm such a stats nerd with with soccer. Uh, but uh, looking at some of the stats from that game, Toronto had an xG of two point two nine. And they scored two goals. So they underperformed a little bit. But that's nothing compared to in DC United, where they had an XG of 0.84. And they scored three goals. That goes to show, one, just the, the magic of that game and the magic of DC United. But also, two, that those goals just should not have gone in. And you got to look at the Toronto's defense. I mean, even, even you got to look at Sean John and, and wonder what happened. I think one of the biggest issues talking with some of my Toronto FC friends was that um, the midfield is ancient. I mean, Michael Bradley, a long-serving 
Michael Bradley. We love Michael Bradley in Toronto and in the U.S., but he doesn't have the same legs that he used to. And, and especially in that first goal, you saw how easily DC United exposed the midfield space behind Michael Bradley because now Bradley turns more like a truck. And so it's hard for him to try to get back into that space. But yeah, I mean, overall, it was a very entertaining match. I think Toronto can look at some of the positives. Um, I haven't heard yet what the timeline is for uh, Insigne's injury, but that is going to be difficult to replace because Toronto doesn't have the best depth and they might have to rely on youth yet again, even though this was supposed to be the offseason where they were going to finally fix themselves up and go out and challenge. So I don't know. I'm worried for Toronto, especially when that number six spot, you know, somebody, I think somebody should be coming in as a DP to, uh, to cover for Michael Bradley, but uh, who knows when you, you also need somebody like a, a proper number nine instead of uh, Diomande, who really didn't impress me this game. Um, but yeah, overall, I think Toronto's in trouble and DC United might go on and surprise us all this season. We'll see about that. We'll see. We'll see how they do. Um, Michael Bradley, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Um, Okay, moving on from reminiscing about good old national team days. Um, we're going to throw it back to Jamie um, with Atlanta United and Tiago Almada. He was the um, MLS player of the week. He got a lot of votes in the um, uh, North American Soccer League Media Association votes. Um, so, Jamie, tell us what what kind of magic he did and um, be nice to Dan's uh, earthquakes. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, uh, it was all about Thiago Almada, someone who himself doesn't move like a truck, which is good to see. Um, yeah, Almada was was the difference maker. Um, left it very late, and I think it was like the fifth or sixth time someone's ever someone's ever turned it around like that in in added time with two goals from the same person. So quite a stat, and um, it's been it's been all about Almada in this off season. Obviously, the the big outgoing being Joseph Martinez to the their somewhat rivals into Miami, a big blow. Um, Jordan Jacomakis, the striker, brought in to replace him, not in the squad uh, this game, but is expected to be in there soon. So, um, yeah, there's a few, Almada is himself a youngster, but there was a few American youngsters, uh, Caleb Wiley and um, Jackson Conway in and around him. So he was one of the more senior figures in a way, and he definitely stepped up. Um, Luis Araujo uh, missing the penalty was a big blow only for Almada to bail him out, really, with a, a fantastic strike to equalise. And then 90 plus nine, I think it was, when he curled that free kick over the wall and passed uh, the San Jose goalkeeper to somehow snatch three points out of it. And, um, yeah, I think it was a was a, was a a good uh, performance from San Jose for the for the most of it. Um, Jeremy Bobasi, uh, another, another player loved by MLS fans, scoring that goal, getting his account open uh, this year. Um, having moved on from Portland, of course, and um, yeah, it was a it was a solid performance overall. I think from San Jose, and it was just a team that under Matias Almeida, pre- Matias Almeida previously were were known for hectic performances. Now into this new era, and it's it's still still not that different in that they were on the receiving end of a huge heartbreak. Um, Atlanta a team who yeah, and no one really knows what to predict from them with the the erraticness of someone like Araujo who's 
supposed to be a big star, but um, you never quite know what you're going to get from him. And they're still, as everyone says, they're still trying to replace that Miguel Amaron-like figure and Ditti Martinez and Zico Barco somewhat failed compared to expectations. And uh, so uh, Armada, sorry, might be the, the man in question to do it. And there is a lot of interest coming from Europe with teams all over already um, pursuing him, obviously a World Cup winner. Um, so yeah, there's there's a huge amount of interest in him and Atlanta using him, uh, losing him would be a major blow given that a lot of their current um, form relies on him, really. Um, he is he is the difference maker. Miles Robinson, another one of them back in the team. Him and Brad Guzan returning was definitely a, a pleasant sight to see forward in the league, both um, picking up horrible ACL injuries last year uh, and th- their losses being quite a big blow to the side. So I think they both both definitely looked obviously not fully back to what they previously were and the worries with an ACL injury is that we never get back to that. But um, yeah, I think those two at the back, along with like some Brooks Lennon and Andrew Gutman were were solid against a, a, a San Jose attack that can be dangerous with the likes of a Bobsey and Kekau. So I think, um, yeah, Atlanta were probably expected one most to get the win and they got it in a very unfamiliar fashion and um, they've definitely got um, Thiago Armado to thank for that because he pulled out of the bag right at the last minute and they'll need more heroics like that from him going forward. For sure. Good stuff, Jamie. Um, Going to move to Vancouver's sad loss to Real Salt Lake. Um, Felipe, what happened? Um, were there any positives? Um, and just, you know, what, what do you think went wrong? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, I think there was probably more positives than negatives, despite the final scoreline from Vancouver. Um, the first 45 minutes from Vancouver were some of the best soccer I have uh, probably ever seen them play, or at least for the for best I've seen them in a long time, because uh, they were moving the, the ball around. They were passing really good. They were um, really well-structured, really were organized. They were dominating rsl for a majority of that first half i think the possession stat after the first 25 or 30 minutes was 66 percent possession in favor of white caps and so i thought that it was you know we finally turned a new leaf we finally got into uh first gear and this was going to be a new look with all these new signings and uh the great depth that we have and uh yeah i went into halftime with so much hope and then second half we came out and it was it was like the white caps of old and not in the good way. It was sloppy, slow. It felt like the team was disjointed. They were scared or nervous. I don't really know, but it was nothing of what I um I saw in the first half. And then Salt Lake got two quick goals in the 70th and the 73rd minute. Um and and then it was over and then Vancouver couldn't re- recover and I think it was a lot to do probably with some hangovers from last season, some players maybe not being fully fit to play the full 90. I think Vanny Sartini might have wanted to make some changes at halftime, if not early in the in the second half, to try to shore things up. Um, but, I mean, overall, I, I, I liked how Vancouver Whitecaps played for the majority of the game. It's just he's staying switched on. It's maintaining your concentration. Because, um, you know, the first goal, I, I talked to Vanny Sartini afterwards, and uh, the first goal was 
just because of a, a lack of organization off a corner. They they weren't in their right spots. And uh, Javane Brown, who opened the scoring with a really good uh, goal off header in, uh, from a corner in the first half, uh, was left alone with three defenders at the back post. And Justin Glad came in and, and uh, knocked it into the back of the net. And then Damir Kralak, for the first time that we see him since, I think, April, had a beautiful finish. But it was all had to do with just a breakdown in defense and midfield. They couldn't shift over in time. They couldn't organize all, themselves in time. And and Kralak punished Vancouver for it. And, and, and it seemed like um, they couldn't recover. I, I was impressed with some of the new... Um, players i uh, really like yohi takaoka the goalkeeper japanese goalkeeper he was stunning he yohi made some really really good saves um and i think he's going to grow into becoming one of the best goalkeepers in the league very quickly which i'm happy about um and uh the little bit of that we saw of sergio cordova was promising but i think he needs still some more time under his belt until we can see uh, what he's properly all about but overall I think more positives than negatives but obviously we came away with nothing so still a lot to work on good stuff Felipe um in a little bit better western conference news at least for me um the Seattle Sounders uh put up four against Colorado I'm a little happy Matt is not here tonight because this gives me uh room to just brag and brag and brag about the Sounders um also by the way I love the um MLS season pass um the the ability to watch from the start even when the game is live um because on some Sunday nights I work and I was really upset I was like oh no I don't get to watch in time um and then, you know, my boyfriend, Luke, was like, why don't we just watch it from the start? And it was really hard. I just silenced my phone so I didn't get any of the uh, thought mob uh, notifications or, or the Sounders app notifications. So um, a four a four nothing game for Seattle. First and foremost, the Brian Schmetzer chain is just immaculate. So well done to the uh, Seattle Sounders fans on that one. Um, I never thought I'd see my coach wearing a um, a chain, a very thick chain around his neck, um, but it was very cool and something I will never forget. Um, but what a night for Jordan Morris. He had, uh, he had two goals, um, was certainly the player of the game. He came in second in the um, Major League Soccer Player of the Week votes um, behind, of course, Almeida. Um, Christian Roldan had a really nice night, too, along with Ebert, the new signing, uh, the Brazilian guy. Um, it was a really good showing from just the whole team in general, a clean sheet for Stefan Fry um, and for the defense of, you know, New Who, um, Alex Roldan, Yaimar, and Jackson Reagan, who I really liked what I saw um, from the young guy. I thought he was very good. I thought the partnership with him and Yaimar was good. A lot of people have been very iffy, myself included, on um, Har Javier Arriaga. He is one of those players that when he is good, he is really good. But he's one of those players that when he is just okay, he's not good at all. Um, so he needs to kind of be on like all the time. And the 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 simple reality is that's not always the case. Um, but I Reagan, he's a young guy. He's going to learn a lot um, as as his uh, career really blossoms. But I really liked um, what I saw from him. He was really good in the air too. Um, he won 
uh, all of his aerial duels. Um, he had some good challenges, couple couple shots blocked as well. Um, but I liked what I saw from him, and I, I certainly thought if if Morris and like the other goal scorers. You know, if you don't just name goal scorers, you know, players of the game, I would say Reagan had a really, really good game as well. The return of Jao Paulo obviously was super great um, to see and exactly what Sounders fans wanted. Um, we we got a lot of quality minutes from him. And I just think Seattle, you know, they're obviously on their revenge tour because of not making the playoffs last year. Um, of course, they won CONCACAF Champions League, but you hear it from Schmetzer, you hear it from Stefan Fry, you hear it from Christian and, and Jordan and pretty much everyone on the team that it's not good enough. They didn't make the playoffs. Um, and for them, you know, making the playoffs is a, is a gold standard. Um, they Last year was the first time that they, they that they failed to achieve that. So for them to open up the MLS season at home with a very convincing 4 nothing win, because I don't know if you guys remember last year, but they had a really hard time keeping clean sheets at home. Um, so that's going to boost Stefan Fry's confidence. Um, it's going to boost the defense's confidence. Um, and yeah, and, and then the, for Colorado, um, definitely not the start that Robin Frazier's men were hoping for. Um, they just really didn't seem to have anything going in the attack. I think they're, I think I saw their first shot on goal was in like, the the 70th minute or so um so uh Colorado they need to figure out what their goal scoring weapons are they need to you know figure out the communication with their defense um and really their midfield just needs to be doing more um I think they were a little stagnant uh against Seattle so intrigued to see how they come out um I think they play sport yeah they play sporting Kansas City um this week so intrigued to see how those both of those teams because they're both coming off of a loss um fair against each other so we'll just see how that goes um i think that's it for us for recapping um the weekend so before we jump into our next segment which is uh thumbs up thumbs down i want to tell you guys um and give you guys uh, give a shout out to our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 is perfect for daily nutrients and gut health support. AG1 solves two of the most important health needs, the nutrients your body needs each day and the and the f- foundation of long-term gut health it's very small text i'm sorry athletic greens um got lost there together they feel the they feel whole body health impacting everything from sleep digestion energy mood immunity to the health of your hair skin and nails um in the show notes in the link we will have um in the description, we will have a link um, to get started today. So thank you to Athletic Greens for sponsoring us and Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Um, so with that said, gentlemen, we are going to move on to a segment called Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. Um, basically, it is what it means. We can name either a player, um, a team, a coach, anything that had a good week and then a not so good week and then afterwards if any of us have hot takes we um we are feel free to give them um so we're gonna start with um felipe on this one who we're gonna start we're gonna get the negatives out of the way first we're gonna get the negatives out of the way what is your thumbs down of mls week one for me, it's quite simple, especially from a Canadian point of view. It's the Canadian finishing. 
I watched all three games and watched the highlights afterwards. And every Canadian team, Montreal, Toronto, and the Whitecaps, all had a golden opportunity, a, basically a breakaway goal opportunity, and they all missed it. For the Whitecaps, it was Brian White. For Toronto C, it was Ayoakinola. And for Montreal, it was Sanusi Ibrahim. They all had, it was basically just a keeper and them, and they all fluffed their lines. And all three of them were before they went to go on and lo- lose the game. Uh, so they were all golden opportunities to change the game, and instead uh, they lost. And so I think that is a common theme. I mean, I know it's first week of MLS, and not everyone's shooting boots are sharp, but... It was still glaring opportunities. And uh, yeah, I just think if those three chances were put away, we would be talking very differently about the three Canadians team. So that, that's my thumbs down for the week. Jamie, what is your negative of the week? I've gone with uh, FC Dallas and uh, more importantly, their front line. Um, there's been a lot of talk, particularly from, including from us, um, about the the holes in this Minnesota team obviously the the primary primary one is the the loss or potential loss of Emmanuel Reynoso and he he was absent from this game so it definitely provided an opportunity for for Dallas to especially on home turf take advantage of that take advantage of the game in general and and dominate it and they they failed to do so in actual fact um despite outlaying with a a, a strong a strong front line they still they managed just one shot on target in the whole game. This is with um, Paul Areola, Jesus Ferreira, Alan Verasco, and Paxton Pomgo all on the field. You would imagine between them, uh, the link-up play they have, and particularly Ferreira's form in front of goal last season, that between them they'd be able to combine for a few more dangerous chances at least. And yeah, I think I don't feel on my own in saying that Dallas were expected to to deliver on that front. So yeah, that's definitely definitely very underwhelming for me that not only that they lost to Minnesota from that. Mendez Garcia goal, but um, the Dallas himself failed to score at all. My thumbs down of the week um is going to be Austin FC. Talked about it a little bit earlier, but just at home against an expansion team, just how did that happen? Um, I do think people need to be nice to Kip Keller. I know it was a terrible back pass, but like. Come on, it's it's the first game of the season. You don't have to be threatening the guy. We have officially reached peak chaotic MLS whenever Diego Fagundes has to go and put out a statement on his Twitter account about people having to be nice to Kip Keller. Um, his, his statement read, mistakes are a normal part of our growth and we're proud of our team for embracing that mindset. When one of us makes a mistake, we all feel it, lean in and lift each other up. We stay focused on the growth and coming together to move on to the next moment that's what makes a winning team kip's mistake is any of our mistakes we learn and compete together to championships dude this is the first week of mls action so if austin loses <laughs> a game this season are we going to get a statement like this every single game um i'm not calling it over dramatic or anything like that but i mean it's just a little bit of a head scratcher um but austin fc at home you know you you hear all these things about you know how cute uh, the the brand spanking new q2 stadium is is going to be a fortress and it's loud and you know all of this other stuff and 
yet they lost uh, to, to an expansion side. And as we know, expansion signs are always um, just ginormous question marks because you never know what you're going to get. Um, so we're going to talk now about the positives. Um, our thumbs up of the week. Um, so staying on the track of that game, Felipe, you have a couple different thumbs ups, um, but we'll start with the one that has to do with the Austin uh, St. Louis game. Yeah, I just, I just, I can't sing uh, Bradley Carnell's praises enough uh, during that first game because a lot of people were worried that, um, you know, he's a product of, <clears throat> pardon me, of the Red Bull um, kind of style of play of energy drink soccer. And uh, I think that he came in and showed that it doesn't have to be all like sort of Leeds United all or nothing kind of thing. You know, we either score six or concede six or both. Uh, I think he came in and showed good structure, good fundamentals, and they did get a lot of shots on target. They were quite attacking. I think they they outshot um, uh, Austin FC on shots on target nine to two um, in in Austin FC's uh, home ground. So it goes to show some of the 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 strengths that uh, St. Louis has. And so I yeah, Bradley Carnell for me was was one of my um top thumbs up but the one that i was probably i think more impressed with honestly was uh wayne rooney in dc united uh mostly because of his faith in the youth you look at some of the players that started i mean i did mention akin bunny he's 16 years old and he started the match came off in the 78th minute and then you take some youth off and you throw three more on um the young player Theodore Cu Di Pietro, who is the assist and goal and uh, game winner, um, he's only 21 years old. You you also he also threw on Jackson Hopkins, who is an 18 year old winger, and um, Christian Fletcher, who is a 17 year old winger, and they come in to make their MLS debuts and they help DC United uh, get their first win of the season. And I just think Wayne Rooney's trust in the youth um, seems to be paying off and. Hopefully that's a theme because we love seeing young players thrive and shine as long as they're ready. As uh, a lot of people in Toronto FC know that when you throw on youth that isn't ready, uh, they'll more than likely flounder rather than thrive. Um, but yeah, that's my biggest thumbs up of the week. Jamie, you stayed in the Eastern Conference for your thumbs up at the week. Tell us uh, what you got. It's hardly a, a, a mind-blowing take to say that the Philadelphia Union are a very, very good side, but they proved it once again. And Whilst um, obviously this Columbus side aren't exactly going to hit the ground running and start winning week in, week out straight away under Will Financi, um, a lot of people still expect them to be a very good side and compete at the top of the East. And Philly made them look anything but that. They may have gone behind, but... Um, Julian Carranza with a brace and Daniel Garzdag with a brace. Both of those come from the penalty spot. They were just they were just clinical. They were lethal. They showed exactly why they were so good last season. And whilst they came up short um this time around, uh sorry, whilst they came up short last time around on the trophy front, they're they're clearly in the hunt under Jim Curtin again this time around. Um so yeah, I think again they've just shown obviously LAFC weren't in action, but Philly have shown to be the team to beat currently and they were they were very much in form once again and wouldn't be, wouldn't surprise me to see many more wins like this already in the season 
I, I hyped him up a little bit earlier, but I think after the, the, and, and listen, I, I don't think a lot of people meant it this way, but you know, with the whole Gia Reyna, you know, him not getting action in, in the world cup, a lot of people were taking that out on Jordan Morris, um, you know, just completely ripping the fact that he didn't score a goal at the world cup um, and even just getting substituted in. So I think, the the two the two goal performance is is what Jordan needed after the uh, FIFA World Cup. Um, I'm glad he he went off to a good start. Seattle fans love to see that, um, and and I think U.S. men's national team fans should love to see that too. Um, is Jordan Morris a starter for the U.S. men's national team? I I don't think so. Um, but I think he is. He's got the quality to be a super sub. I think that's what he went to Qatar for. So people need to, you know, relax a little bit just because Gio Reyna didn't get what he wanted. Um, also, shout out to Minnesota for also getting a thumbs up of the week. I have two thumbs, so I'm going to pick two. Um, they they did it without Reynoso. I mean, we talked about this a ton last week about, you know, no Reynoso and, you know, there, there's been no... Um, you know, indication of what his status is. Um, it doesn't see like seem like anybody really knows what what's going on there. Um, so I, I think I think Minnesota still, you know, my prediction still same stays the same from last week. Um, with, with the with the whole, they're not going to make uh the playoffs without Reynoso. They are going to struggle this year, but a win over a really talented FC Dallas team um is is certainly a good way to start the season. So. Um, that's, that's my, my two thumbs up. So, um, we'll see if, if both those, that player and those teams can continue that trend. Um, Felipe, it looks like you have a bit of a hot take here. So, um, shock us, shock us here. Yeah. I mean, I sound like a broken record talking about St. Louis, sort of like how I did last week talking about Cincinnati. I'm just flip-flopping around. Um, but, uh, I, the way that St. Louis, played in their opening match away from home. I finally get to see a bit more of their identity, a bit more of how they want to play. I was thoroughly impressed. I, especially with the way that their um, Bundesliga editions have played and have already sort of looked to be fluid with the team and the system coming into the league. Um, my hot take is that I, even just based off that one game, just that one game, and I'm now become convinced that I think St. Louis is actually going to come ninth and make the playoffs. Before that position was occupied for me, I think it was by SKC, but now I don't know. I think St. Louis might uh, might shock us, and I mean, coming ninth isn't a, a huge shocker under normal circumstances, but now that that is a playoff spot, uh, I think that they have uh, what it takes to come ninth and. Uh, and participate in their first playoff season in their inaugural season. Okay, so I think it's a little early in the season for me to have my hot take. I think I need a week or two um, of action. I, I, Jamie is nodding his head. He agrees with me. So uh, I'm going to let that hot take simmer in the pan for a little bit, um, and we'll see what happens. But thank you again, Felipe, for reminding me about the terrible new MLS cup playoff format. Um, you just brought my mood down to zero along with pit basketball. Um, but anyway, we're going to move on. Um, I'm not going to forget it this time. Last time I forgot it, but we're not going to forget pickums. Um, so again, gentlemen, we're, uh, we've got four games on, on this docket for us. Um, 
and we're going to pick who who we think will win. We're going to pick the score and, you know, maybe just tell uh, tell us why why that's going to happen. Um, so we're going to start off um, nationally televised game this weekend. It's on Big Fox, ladies and gentlemen, um, and Apple TV MLS season pass, of course, um, LAFC versus Portland. Um LAFC, obviously, we're supposed to play again at, uh, well, at LA Galaxy. They were both playing at the Rose Bowl, um, and that did not happen because of uh, of weather. So LAFC has a little bit of rest. Portland is coming off of a win. It's at 4.30 Eastern time. Uh, Jamie, who you got and why? It, given that we haven't actually seen anything of LAFC, obviously, with, as you mentioned, the the game that didn't go ahead, it's it's hard to hard to think too much of of what they might bring to the table. But obviously they're coming up a season where they won the Shield and MLS Cup. But I'm gonna I'm gonna lean and side with Portland, given that they've got that game freshness and they've had that one game already and uh, they were victorious in it. So I'm gonna say the same scoreline as they uh, won by in their first game. I'm gonna say Portland won one 0 Felipe, who you got? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously not biased whatsoever, but I have LAFC winning uh, against Portland. Um, uh, I watched the Portland game, and I wasn't super impressed. I think SKC probably should have gotten something from it, if not one, because uh, they played, I think, a lot better after the opening 10 minutes. And LAFC are still strong. I mean, yeah, they still have that hole at number nine, but they're still strong. They still have a lot of the players that came in and won them the MLS Cup last season. I think they're going to pick up where they left off. So I think it's going to be a pretty bog standard 2-0 win for uh, LAFC. Well, boys, as a Seattle fan, you know I can't ever pick Portland. So I'm going to go 3-0 LAFC. They're going to humble them a little bit. Um, I I agree with with both of you, though. I, I think I think Sporting Kansas City should have won that game um, against Portland. Um, just a, an a l- unlucky, unlucky finish for Portland and a few unlucky, um, you know, saves uh, in regard to Sporting Kansas City shooting the ball. Um, we're going to move on. I said it before we recorded. I almost wish I lived in Orlando so I could um, back in Florida so I could go to this game. Um Orlando versus Cincinnati, 7.30 p.m. This one is on Apple TV MLS season pass, um, 7.30 Eastern time. I will start with Felipe since this is his boy. These are his boys. Yeah, I mean, my boys didn't do too well. I mean, they won. Don't get me wrong. They won their game against Houston, but it was similar to the Portland SKC game where um Houston dominated most of the game afterwards um uh the second half was pretty much all Houston uh the game finished that game with like 62% possession to Houston and that was in Cincinnati and they outshot them they did they out everything basically so uh Cincinnati going to Orlando and Orlando at home always a tough place to go they won Last time against probably a more difficult opposition in New York Red Bulls, um, at least on form right now. So I think it'll be tough. I want to back Cincinnati because I think they'll do well. Uh, or rather, now I now that I back them, I want them to do well, or, or else I'm going to look like I have an egg on my face. So uh, I'm going to go with a draw here. I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. 
Don't worry, Felipe. I had an egg on my face for three seasons when I picked Cincinnati. And yeah, you know what? I'm not over it. So I'm going to say Orlando's going to win two to one. And I'm only going to say that because of the sole reason that I picked Cincinnati this year to make it to the playoffs. So I'm sorry, Felipe, but since I picked them to make the playoffs, they're clearly not going to do it. So um, sorry to everyone in Cincinnati. I'll see you in two weeks when I come for the Sounders game. Um, Jamie, Orlando, Cincinnati, who who you got? Despite uh, your jinx, Rachel, I think I'll probably have to side with Felipe, I think. Yeah, it wasn't a, wasn't the best of displays from Cincinnati, but they still were over the line. And um, whilst Orlando are a very capable team, particularly in that attack and for, uh, third with the likes of Gundo Torres and Erkin Cara, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go a 2-2 draw. I reckon it'll be a, a very entertaining game, but neither side wins. We're going to move on to um, an 8.30 p.m. Eastern time game, again, on Apple TV, MLS season pass. We've got the expansion side, St. Louis taking on Charlotte. Of course, uh, we talked about him a lot. St. Louis coming off a win. Charlotte is coming off of that loss. Uh, this is St. Louis's uh, home opener. Their fans get to see um, a long-awaited home game in St. Louis at City Park. Um, just an absolute dream for the city, be, considering the the rich history um, that that's in St. Louis um, with soccer. Uh, Felipe, sing sing his praises. What do you think Bradley Carnell is going to do? I think he's going to show the home crowd a spectacular game, uh, or at least that's what I'm hoping. Because I do uh, pip them to win. It's the home opener, even though it's expansion against expansion. I mean. Um, St. Louis are gonna go to back to St. Louis with this buzz from the win against Austin, and they're gonna channel that. Their fans are gonna be there. They're gonna be loud. They're gonna be proud. It's gonna be a tough environment for Charlotte to come in. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think St. Louis are going to uh show again some of that attacking quality that they have, and I think that they are going to win against Charlotte's uh three to one. I think it's going to be a good match. And it's going to go in St. Louis's favor. Jamie, do you think St. Louis can make it two in a row? Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot I can add. I think I'd have to agree very much with everything Felipe said. I think, yeah, the NG will be behind them. Um, Charlotte underperformed against the Revs, and I reckon Charlotte will lose once again. I'm going to say, uh, I'll say St. Louis win uh, 2 1 on home tour. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go 2-0. I think they get the clean sheet um, in their second game and at home uh, to make it even better. You have to root for the city of St. Louis just because of the history there. So um, I will certainly be their biggest supporter um, until they play Seattle. (laughs) Um, So we are going to – another game, we're kind of going back and forth on the last team to pick here, but I think Colorado um, sporting Kansas City kicking off 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I forgot to say, by the way, all of these games are on Saturday, March 4th, um, kicking off at nine 30 Apple TV, MLS season pass. Um, I think we all are pretty much in agreement about sporting Kansas city. We think they should have won. Um, can they beat Colorado or is Colorado going to get a little pep in their step, uh, and, and come back after thrashing by Seattle? What do you, Seattle, what do you think, Jamie? I think I'm going to go with the form of those. I'm going to say that uh, SKC showed 
showed enough to win in that last game. And whilst uh, they weren't able to get anything out of it, I think fortunes will turn in their favour this time around and uh, Colorado will will continue to, to lose. And I think it will be a, a 2-0 win for SKC. Felipe, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Matt <laughs> saying that we're probably all going to root against them. Uh, but I, I do think SKC is going to come away with the win. Uh, they played really well last week. They were super unlucky, and I think they're going to have a bit between their teeth to try to get something back after uh, after not coming away with something when they should have. But uh, you never know. I mean, Colorado, I was I was impressed with Yappy uh, for, from Colorado uh, at 18 years old. I, I can see why a lot of people are uh, making a big fuss about him, the young player. Uh, but I don't think him alone, he can carry this team to the win. So I am going to go with SKC. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys here. I'm going to go with SKC, but I'm going to say it's going to be one nothing. I think usually these, um, what are they called? The Rocky Mountain uh, Derbies are are usually pretty, um, pretty pretty fierce, pretty close contests. So I'm going to go, um, with. Uh, Sporting Kansas City getting a narrow one nothing victory, um, awesome. So so we did our pickums. Um, also for for folks who are maybe maybe you're new to Major League Soccer, they're not sure if they're going to give it a try yet or not. Um, I I know I can fully endorse MLS season pass. I think it's been great. The little um, the little uh clips about the the teams too and just the history have been really cool and really fun to watch. Um. Uh, MLS season pass has a couple free games um, in week two to watch. The LAFC Portland game is going to be free. Columbus and DC is going to be free. Inter Miami and Philadelphia is free. New York Red Bulls um, and Nashville is free as well. So definitely take a look at that. Um, If you are still, you know, unsure about getting season pass or if you're kind of new to just watching the league, um, Give it a try. See how much you like it. If you're looking for chaos, I would personally suggest Columbus and DC. Um, so we are going to move on um, to last words. Uh, F- Felipe, we will start with you. You've got some uh, Canada soccer updates for us and just, you know, your thoughts on that. And and also tell us where we can find you on Twitter. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Felipe V underscore FC. And yeah, there was some big news with Canada Soccer and this past week. Uh, Nick Bontist resigned after representative from all provinces and territories. Um, basically, each gave a letter uh, of no trust, I think it is, uh, towards uh, Nick Bontist. And so he very promptly resigned. And uh, now we have uh, a new uh, president. Um, her name is Charmaine Crooks. She's a former Olympian. She was the vice president. She's stepping in as acting president. And a lot of people have some some interesting takes, some mixed reviews, because on one hand, uh, it's the first time that a woman has ever been president of Canada Soccer. And it's also the first time that a person of color is the president of Canada Soccer, which are all really, really good strides that uh, frankly should have happened before. But on the other hand, um, Crooks, I mean, having the surname Crooks <laughs> in this uh, when this whole debacle is not fantastic, uh, but I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Uh, she has been in um, 
with the CSA, uh, part of the higher-ups for the last 10 years. So she has been there throughout all of this drama um, with the women's team and the men's team and the allegations uh, from a few years back. So, you know, you never really know what you're going to get you would you would you would hope the fact that you know she's a woman and she's a person of color that she would be more sympathetic towards um the women's team and a lot of the youth teams especially since it's the youth team issue is sort of a class issue uh but that's the thing you just you never know in these situations so hopefully i'm cautiously optimistic but at the same time yeah it might just be the same old same old with canada soccer Jamie, what are your last words? Where can we find you on the Twitter machine? So my uh, Twitter at is RookieJNR13. Um, hoping in the next week or two to secure another interview with a Revs player to get out as soon as possible. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And then um, my main last word is uh, this weekend on Sunday, I'll be going to Selhurst Park, the home of... Crystal Palace, or as others may know, AFC Richmond, and uh, watching Arsenal Chelsea women the Conti Cup final, and I'll be reporting on that for the the European side of the site. So stay tuned for a preview and talking points after that game, and I'll will of course be wearing my Arsenal shirt and the Arsenal end, hoping Sam Kerr does not score against us once again because I was at the Emirates when she scored in the last minute two months ago, and I've not forgotten about it. You sound like me talking about Cincinnati embarrassing me, Jamie. Oh, betting against Sam uh, Sam Kerr, though. Never a lucky bet, Jamie, but I hope uh, crossing my fingers for you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Rachel Kruger. But before I give my last words, just a big thank you to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Don't forget to get your custom scarves for your group or team today at roughneckscarves.com. And then, gentlemen, are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? You're looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, your Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price with the motto, any design you want. Seriously, let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Thank you again. We shouted y'all out earlier, but Athletic Greens, um, all three of you guys for sponsoring the podcast. Couldn't do it without you. Um, my last words, simply put, just there is a, I want to call it a reckoning in women's soccer because, you know, U.S. women's national team got got it started and then Brazil fought for equal pay. Now, now we're seeing a shift with Canada and the French national team is following suit. Um, I'm probably going to butcher her last name, but Corinne Dacre, um, she has been known to be a little bit of a, a, a troublemaker and, you know, getting... I guess retaliation, vengeance against players, players like Amadine Henri, uh, Wendy Renard, she stripped the captaincy from her, um, and then just a lot of other egregious stuff. Um, it, it hasn't been working out. They haven't been winning tournaments, um, and, and they just need, they well, the players just want to change. Um, they think that Diacre is, um, what's the word I'm looking for liability to their mental health to to just the team in general um and to French French soccer so 
Um, I know that the French president, I'm not even going to try to say his name because it's very French and I will get it wrong. He stepped down. Um, and then there were reports earlier this week that um, Diacre was going to step down on Tuesday. But now that have been, that has been rescinded. Um, they're saying they're hiring a group to come in and look at the matter. Um, so I don't really know what, what the deal is right now. But simply put, um, the plug needs to be pulled. Wendy Renard, um, Diani, and I think it was Catado, Marie Antoinette Catado, have all said they are not playing in this summer's FIFA Women's World Cup until, until there are changes to the system. The system, of course, being, you know, not just uh, Diacre, but the French higher-ups, which, of course, the president just resigned. Well, they're, they're still not satisfied. They won and they deserve, honestly, Diacre gone. They deserve a national team coach that they feel comfortable playing under. Um, and, and they deserve they deserve to be at the World Cup. So, you know, France, I don't really know what you're doing calling in a group when the time is ticking. The World Cup is literally in three months. Um so they need to figure out their stuff. But, um, you know, just a shout out. It's it's a big deal for those three players who um, are, are staples of the French national team and, and have, you know, provided so much success over the years for them to say, um, you know, I am not going to the World Cup, the biggest tournament in the world, because we want equality and we want fairness. Um, so a huge shout out to France. You know, obviously, women's national team players across the world, women's players and men's players, everyone in general is rooting for them. Um, so we will keep you updated on all of that. But France is wild and folks, three months till the World Cup and they are just straight up wild and um, but that's going to do it for us. We are going, we are currently planning myself, um, Dan Law, uh, sorry, Dan Sperry. I was supposed to say Dan Laletta, my friend from Equalizer. Um, and um, oh, who else? Trevor Tracy. We are planning an NWSL preview so, show. So be on the lookout for that. And also uh, be on the lookout this weekend for my interview. It was stalled a little bit just because of uh, the busy season right now. Um, but my interview with Seattle Sounders head athletic trainer, um, Megan Young. So don't don't miss that. It was a really great conversation. So um don't forget to follow us, Last Word SC on Twitter, um, and then follow all of our written work at lastwordonsports.com. Um, thanks for listening, folks. We will see you next time and enjoy MLS week two.